Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real, Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep-free trial and a 10-year warranty, so you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code IDO for an exclusive 35% off. Because every mom deserves a good night's sleep, and with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash I do. Thanks for tuning in. What's going on, Love Tribe? Happy to have you guys here. We have another great episode where we welcome Dr. John Catone, and he is a psychologist in private practice, a clinical assistant professor of psychiatry at the Renaissance School of Medicine at Stony Brook University, a researcher and an author of a personal growth book entitled Who are you? Essential questions for hitchhikers on the road of truth, which I told him I'm excited (laughs) to read. Yes. And really, he's got a great perspective based on his professional background, but he also takes kind of an Eastern Taoist view on things. um, And he explains that in our conversation where we dive into the seasons of your relationship. So that can mean the seasons of the year, like literally how that affects you personally and in your relationship. And then the seasons of your life, the beginning, middle and end and how that relates in your relationship as well. 
one of the biggest things I took away from the interview was the ability to, and Chase talks about this a little bit more, is sit with things. And I think it's so important that we tend to rush into making decisions in a relationship when we're unhappy instead of just sitting with things. And I think the quote he mentioned, just seeing if the muddy water turns clear. What is the quote? Yeah. Like if you, if you keep stirring muddy water, it's going to stay muddy let it sit and it's going to go clear. It might turn clear. Yeah. So just kind of using that or thinking about that perspective in life, I think in general can be really beneficial. So I, I really enjoyed today's interview. Yes. And as always, we appreciate you guys tuning in, telling a friend or family member about the show, leaving us those five-star reviews and subscribing to the podcast. It really helps us to attract sponsors, which helps us to edit and do all this stuff that really Sarah does all the hours and hours into making this show so that we can continue to do it for you. So it's free. And the more listeners we have, really, it also just makes us feel great to be able to help you guys. (laughs) And it helps us because the reality is, is we started this podcast because we're like, look, at the very worst, we get free relationship advice. And at the very best, we can help other people Mm -hmm. and turn it into a bit of a business and a lifestyle to, to somewhat support us. And we are on that road and in large part, thanks to you guys. So thank you so much. And as always, enjoy today's show. We also wanted to take this time to tell you guys about our podcast series, Love Under Quarantine. And if you're like Sarah and I, you've been experiencing quite a bit of stress and uncertainty around this whole COVID-19 epidemic. And we're right there with you getting through it. So we decided to put together this course with 16 therapists who are working with clients who are dealing with all of the uncertainty and stress of these times and specifically tools and tactics that are very actionable to help improve, repair, maintain your relationship. Just survive. (laughs) Survive while we deal with this. So we put it together. It's $20. You go to the link in the show notes and you can just buy it right there. And 10% of the proceeds go to the Nosara Food Bank to feed local families here in Nosara, Costa Rica. So you're doing some good there and you're going to be helping your relationship in these tough times. It's super easy to sign up. If you have Apple Pay or Google Pay set up on your phone, it takes literally a minute. It's super fast. And if you don't, you can pay via your credit card. You get an email within a minute and the podcast series goes directly into wherever you're listening to your podcast right now. So it's super easy. It takes less than a minute. And we hope you guys check it out. Hi, John. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Sarah and Chase. I really uh, appreciate it. I've been looking forward to it. Today, we're going to talk about how our relationship can change with the seasons of the year just as the seasons change. And you wrote a really interesting article about this. And as I was reading it, I was like, yeah, totally relating. Even mm-hmm. here in Costa Rica, where we don't, <laughs> we have kind of the rainy season and then the dry season, o- only two. But uh, we thought we could go through some of the stuff you wrote in the article. And maybe we can start with having you tell us how our relationship changes with the season. And then we can maybe talk specifically about the different seasons, what people can look for, and how to not let it really hurt the relationship or just to be aware of it. So uh, let's dive right in. Sure, sure. So let me first say that a lot of this, a lot of what I had written in this article is based on my study of the the Tao Te Ching, which uh, I've studied my, my entire life. And the Tao Te Ching is about trying to understand the cycles and patterns in nature, and rather than fighting against them, working with them. But before you're able to work with them, you have to understand what they are. And 
that is really the prism through which I view not just relationships or romantic relationships specifically, but all relationships and really all of life and in my clinical work as well. So um, a few years ago, I had uh, written a book called uh, Who Are You? Essential Questions for Hitchhikers on the Road of Truth. And the article that I had written was based in part on a segment from that book in which I challenge people to question the ways in which not only their relationship, but their life changes throughout the year in response to the seasons, in response to all of the different cycles that we're part of. The seasons are, are just one aspect of the cycles and patterns in our lives. We have biological cycles and rhythms that occur uh, naturally, um, we have interpersonal cycles and rhythms. We go to work during the week. We rest on the weekend. We see different people over the course of the different aspects of the cycles. And then, of course, we have the, the cycles that are external to us, the seasons and uh, other things in that, in that nature. Uh, and so, yes, uh, I think we interact in a way we, we are part of nature, just as uh, we may observe nature externally, we are also a part of it and, and, and it is a part of us. So the first step or the first thing that I try to help people to recognize is that no matter what is happening in their life, whether it's good or bad, it's probably going to change. And that's what the Tao is all about. And that's what much of Eastern philosophy is all about. Uh, understanding how things change and by observation and, and such can, can help you to adapt to that change as best as possible. I love how you're framing all this because as, as you're saying everything, I'm really just thinking, you know, we introduced it as the seasons, but yeah, like the stage of your life biologically as you age. So you have like a, a micro day to day and then like a macro with the seasons, how old you are and just becoming aware of that seems to be the first step towards applying it positively individually and to the relationship. Exactly. Yeah. I think if we're going to start with the self first, then we can start with some of these uh, physiological and biological changes. For instance, our arousal levels change during the course of the day. We're our blood pressure tends to be higher in the morning than it is in the afternoon or evening. And that sets off a set of associated uh, metabolic and other physiological changes, which are associated with different psychological changes because everything is interconnected in the body, just like everything is interconnected in the world around us. And so some of these physiological changes lead to psychological changes like aroused anxiety or perhaps towards the end of the day, uh, more of a depressive type of state. So even just within a 24-hour period, we see these cycles. And then, of course, there are other cycles that are longer than 24 hours, weekly cycles. But for women, women are familiar with, of course, their monthly menstrual cycle and the types of changes that that leads to them both on a physiological level and a psychological level. And so that could affect everything from their arousal and anxiety levels to their libido to um, just how they feel about themselves emotionally, psychologically, from a self-esteem perspective. And then with those associated changes, now when you throw a partner into the mix, now all of a sudden a partner has to adjust to these types of physiological changes. So you have all of these patterns of intersecting cycles that start with physiological cycles and expand to the social and interpersonal cycles and then also interact with these larger seasonal cycles. And so they interact very differently for many relationships at different parts of the year. So um, here in, in the Northern Hemisphere in, in North America, we experience uh, the cold season in, you know, obviously the winter months, December, January, February, we're in that now. Um, 
And so for many people, this is a time period to experience the indoor pastimes, to slow down a bit, to be less active. From a Taoist perspective, this would be more of a yin oriented period of time where we're receding, we are hibernating, we are being less active. And there are some people whose personalities naturally work well with that yin type of orientation in the world. Uh, But then there are other people, probably more similar to myself, who feel a little bit more comfortable in the summer months, are more comfortable with greater periods of activity. And so during the winter months, people who uh, I've described in the article as being uh, birds of summer, like like myself, uh, during the winter months, we're likely to feel a little bit out of sync. We might feel a little bit more anxiety than we usually do. We might feel a little bit more depressed than we usually do. And then when those things tend to happen, there are associated counter uh, actions, countervailing actions from our partner. So what, what might that trigger within them and then vice versa. So over, you know, in the summer months, there are people who, uh, if, if their orientation is to feel more comfortable in the winter, if they're more of a yin oriented person, then during the summer months, sometimes they may feel overexposed or they may feel anxious about all of the different social engagements that there are and feel out of sorts in that way. So whatever sort of daily or weekly cycles that you're going through, it's interesting to see how those cycles play out within a couple uh, in a relationship in the winter months versus the summer months. And looking at my own marriage and my own relationship and the cycles and the patterns that we've been through over the years, as well as the cycles and the patterns of the couples that I work with in my, in my practice, I could see definite uh, evidence of differences in the way that people handle the same stimuli in different seasons. Where would a couple start if they are, you know, one is more of the, they get their energy in the summer versus the other one gets their energy in the winter? How can they start to communicate first, I guess, being aware of of that and then how they can work through the challenges that they face based on those different seasons that they thrive in? Sure. Great question. First, you, you said the magic word, which is awareness. And as someone who maintains a daily meditation practice, and I work with patients from a meditation perspective and and doing meditation in the office, I think awareness, everything starts with awareness. You can't change anything until you're aware that it's happening. And so I recommend to everybody, if they can try to start a meditation practice, either individually within themselves or with their partner just learning to become more aware. And there's so many different types of meditation. We, we often think of meditation as just sitting cross-legged or in lotus position for a half hour or, or whatnot. But there are so many different types of meditation. I, I do a meditation in the office. It's a walking meditation that comes from the Zen tradition. And we walk from my office to through the waiting room into the staircase. And that's a distance of about 30 feet. And we would usually, in, in a non, when we're not meditating, we would walk that distance and it would take about 10 seconds. But when I'm leading a meditation group through a walking meditation, it'll, I'll walk slow enough with the group so that that whole walk takes 10 to 15 minutes. And so we're taking one very slow step at a time. And with each step, you notice so many differences and changes. You notice changes in shadows and light. You notice sounds that you didn't hear the step before. You notice differences in temperature. And you you might even notice the ground below your feet has a different feeling to it. It might be harder or softer. Uh, Lots of different 
sensations that you may recognize. Now, we, we take all of these things for granted when we normally walk. We're not aware of 99% of these things, but yet they affect us on a daily level. And so sometimes a walking meditation can be even more effective, especially for people who might not have the patience to sit in lotus position for 20, 30 minutes at a time, doing a walking meditation so slowly that you notice with each step all of the differences and all of the changes with each step. And that could really cue people in into just being aware in general. And so when you are more aware and you're more aware of these changes, all of a sudden you look at the world differently. You look at your partner differently. You look at your relationship differently. Uh, there's an old saying, uh, Wayne Dyer used to say this a lot, and a number of other people would say this, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And so bringing this awareness to every step that you take, every action or every word that is spoken in your relationship will start to cue you into all of the little things on a microscopic level that change in your relationship, not just season by season, but day by day, minute by minute. When you, after you have put that into practice and you are still struggling and, and having problems in the relationship, uh, adjusting to the changes, then I think it could be really helpful to do a couple's workshop or couple's therapy. And in particular, I'm a big advocate and a big fan of uh, Imago therapy and Imago style dialogues. And that's something that my wife and I have done, something that I do with my patients in the office, not just couples, but any two people who are having some sort of conflict the Imago style dialogues that were developed by Harville Hendricks and his wife, Helen Hunt, uh, in, initially in their book, uh, Getting the Love You Want, I, I, I am a tremendous believer in, in those dialogues uh, and a big fan of them. Uh, I've practiced them myself with my wife and in my own relationships as well as my own practice. So that would be my recommendation for when you see that the adjustments that you've been trying to make on your own perhaps haven't achieved the results that you're looking for. On the basis of going to therapy and, and doing that process, in the article you mentioned that you you don't recommend making any drastic decisions generally within one season. Can you talk a little bit more about that and in your process and maybe how long someone should wait or... Obviously, every situation is different, but maybe just a little bit of insight on that. Sure, sure. I, I think that we're such complex beings that if we try to change too much too quickly, we never know what exactly is having a causative effect on the things that are happening in our lives. And so from a scientific perspective, and uh, before I was in clinical practice, I was a researcher. Uh, when we look at things scientifically, what we try to do is isolate a single factor that changes, a single independent variable. Because if we change too many things at once, then we're never going to know if we get different results, what the different results are uh, a consequence of. So this is my way in the article of talking about not overreacting too quickly. That's my way of trying to take a, a little bit more of a patient and scientific approach to your relationship. So you don't want to change too much too quickly. Let things sort of play out so many times, whether it's from a relationship perspective or even a health perspective. <laughs> sometimes I can be a little bit of a hypochondriac with my health sometimes, and I'll get very nervous about some symptom that I have. Uh, and, but sometimes I'm able to get a, an appointment with a doctor quickly and sometimes I'm not. But most of the time, I find that if I just wait a few weeks to see if the symptom is still there, after a few weeks, it's usually gone and mm -hmm. there was no reason mm -hmm. to 
get anxious or worried or overreact. And I think it's the same thing in a relationship as well. You don't want to be in a position where you're overreacting too quickly because if you make too many changes, then it's too difficult to maintain stability when you are making too many changes. So I, I use the benchmark of one season as just sort of a rough guideline for lots of different things. You know, in this case, whether it's a, a relationship symptom or a physical symptom, if you can have a little patience and just see it through one full season, and then if it's still there after a full season, okay, and you want to address something, then you could address it, but try to be uh, discipline and focused in what you address because like I said if you change too many things all at once you're you might throw yourself into chaos unnecessarily or overreact to something that is relatively minor I want to stress how valuable of an idea that is uh, personally and I would imagine a lot of people out there listening it's something I'm trying to work on is sitting with things. And I have this need to try to like solve it. Or Sarah and I just recorded the other day, a, a show about creating meaning in our relationship. And then today I'm like, all right, so what are we going to do? How are we going to create meaning? Cause we realized we needed to do that. And I think it's good to have those conversations, but I've just trying to work on changing my timeline, you know, sitting with things a little. And then I love how you mentioned not changing too much too quickly because you don't know what's working. I would also say maybe it's not the opposite of that, but that sometimes when I'm feeling down or depressed, my default is to be like, what's wrong with the marriage? Like what, what can, what's wrong with our relationship? And what I've realized is Sometimes there's something there that I want to talk to Sarah about, but almost more often than not, it's another area of my life that is bringing me down or making me feel anxious and and that that's where I need to address the issue. Is that something you find with your with people you work with or maybe yourself personally? Before we continue on, we want to tell you about today's sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. It's always a good idea to talk to a therapist. And now with the state of the world, it's just a lot harder to be happy in our lives. There's a lot of stress, uncertainty, anxiety, and there's really no better time to talk to a therapist. So that's why we want to talk to you about BetterHelp. BetterHelp connects you with a professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. You can communicate with your therapist via text, chat, phone, and video. Choose from over 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states who specialize in areas such as relationships, depression, stress, anxiety, self-esteem, anger, trauma, and many more areas. Anything you share is confidential, and if you're not happy with your counselor for any reason, you can request a new one at any time for no additional charge. BetterHelp is secure, convenient, and professional. We want you to start living a happier life today. And as a listener of ID Podcast, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash I do. Join over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash I do. Today's episode is also brought to you by Policy Genius. When our daughter Stella was born, as new parents, there was definitely a lot we did wrong, mm -hmm. including putting Stella's first diaper on backwards <laughs> while we were at the hospital. Those classes definitely didn't pay off. No, the diaper <laughs> classes. We did not pay attention. No. But one thing we did do right was buying life insurance. And back then, the process was not as easy as it can be now. And that's where Policy Genius comes in. Policy Genius is America's leading online insurance marketplace. Their mission is to help people get insurance right by making it easy for them to understand their options, compare quotes from the top insurers to find your best price, and then buy a policy all in one place. You can save $1,500 or more a year by using Policy Genius to compare life insurance policies. 
Once you apply, the Policy Genius team will handle all the paperwork and red tape for free. That would have saved us so much time. <laughs> yes. And Policy Genius doesn't just make life insurance easy. They can also help you find the right home and auto insurance or disability insurance. So head over to Policy Genius today. In just a few minutes, you can find your best price and apply at policygenius.com. We all get things wrong from time to time. At least we can get life insurance right with Policy Genius. Visit policygenius.com today. So, yeah, that's that's a good anecdote and that's a good um, way of, of uh, reframing this discussion. So, you know, we get married, uh, one of the, one of the, I don't know, euphemisms or idioms for getting married is tying the knot. And that, the connotation there is that we are interweaving ourselves with one another, with our partner. And if you think about a braid, Essentially, we are braiding ourselves with the other. When my wife and I got married, we, at our ceremony, uh, the officiant that we had literally tied our hands together and braided them together. And that was a symbol, of course, of the, of the braiding or the weaving of our souls, of ourselves. And so when you fully give yourself to your partner and you're fully invested in your relationship. What happens to one of you has an interrelated effect on the other. And so sometimes it can be difficult to figure out whether the distress that you have at any given moment is related to something that is predominantly just within you or if it's related to your partner because the boundary start to merge together or meld together in a marriage and in a healthy relationship. Obviously, it would, it's also healthy to maintain boundaries in certain ways that individuate us from one another. But on the deepest level, marriage and, and, and healthy long-term relationships do involve this melding together of selves. That's what we hope to do physically, emotionally, spiritually. So sometimes it does require doing some self-reflection, some meditation, or some work in one's own therapy to really distinguish what is setting us off. Is it something just within us, or is it something that is caused by or interrelated with our partner in some way? So that was a good point. I know there's not a ultimate truth here, but how can we work at figuring that out? That's one of the things I'm trying to do is like, why do I need Sarah to fulfill this quote need I have maybe to talk about a certain thing that I feel like I want to talk about with her. But what I've realized is that I shouldn't, she doesn't need to fill that need for me. So where's the, the line, I guess, of, of looking to our partner to, to be something for us, or where do we need to be getting that from ourselves or somewhere else? How do you think about that? Oh, that's, that, it, it can be tricky, Chase. You're yeah. right. <laughs> so in the, in the next article that um, I've written for psychology today, I think it, it'll post next week. I talk about different personality orientations and the three personality orientations that I talk about are the physical orientation, the emotional orientation, and the intellectual orientation. And even though each of us have a unique personality, what I've found in my personal life and in my clinical practice is that most of our personalities can be categorized as either predominantly physically oriented or emotionally oriented or intellectually oriented. And the orientation that one gravitates to is usually one where they feel the most natural, they feel best, um, most inclined to engage in when they're in pain uh, or they want pleasure. And it's just their most 
default and natural way of interfacing with the world. And for me, I would say that I am more of an emotional oriented person. Uh, My wife, on the other hand, I think is more of an intellectual oriented person. And so for emotional oriented people like myself and and possibly like you, Chase, um, I develop, I derive meaning and I derive pleasure from emotional experiences, which also include interpersonal experiences. And so for me, when I am not feeling right, whether it is something that is created or caused just within me, or if it's something that is a function of something going on in our relationship, like you, I feel like I do need to share it with my partner. Um, My partner helps me to understand it, even if it is within myself. And the empathy that she's able to give me when she's able to give it to me, it's healing in some way. Um, My wife, on the other hand, when she's going through something, whether it's within her or whether it's something in our relationship, she's less likely to want to interact about it. She's more intellectually oriented. So she may um, engage in one of her more intellectual activities, whether it's playing games on her phone or whether it's reading a book or uh, doing something else in the intellectual realm. But for me, I need to talk about it. I need to emote on it. I need to connect and bond with someone. So, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that you're deficient in any way for uh, needing to talk to Sarah about these things, even if they don't relate to her. I, I would say that this is part of your personality orientation, and that's how you soothe when you're in pain. Um, and so, you know, the, the couple's work that I would do with people in a similar situation would be first trying to explain these personal, these personality orientation differences and trying to help each partner understand when they're in pain, uh, what they need from the other and, and try to contract around, create a contract around providing what the other person needs. However, you know, everything can be done to an extreme and and we want to make sure that we're not overwhelming our partner or overburdening our partner. But nevertheless, uh, I I think it could be helpful to think of things in in that way from uh, personality orientation. That's very helpful. And I I look forward to reading that article. And uh, yeah, I I think philosophically, it's just interesting of we have this podcast, we've done a lot of interviews and I'll hear one thing and then it'll make me feel like, okay, I'm relying on Sarah too much to emote and I need to, I need to look for that, not necessarily from her. She can't be everything to me. And then what you say is like, that's okay, but we need to have a contract so that I'm not overwhelming her. And the answer is somewhere in the middle I think with a lot of things and it's just valuable to understand them and have someone like yourself talk about the personality traits. And then you can understand that for yourself, share it with your partner. You each understand each other and then you move forward with better understanding, better communication and, and better partnership. Sure. And, and, you know, as a Taoist and someone who has studied the Tao, the Tao Te Ching, I, am always trying to help people to recognize what their inner nature really is and helping them to work with it rather than fight against it. And so, again, you may get a different answer from somebody else, and that's perfectly fine because they're looking at it through a different lens, and and that lens may be just as valid as the Taoist lens or my lens. But the, the feedback that I would give through the lens that I see things, the, the lens of the Tao Te Ching, the lens of yin and yang is figuring out who you are naturally and working with that rather than working against it. That doesn't mean that there might not need to be adjustments made, but I would advise towards making smaller adjustments rather than radical adjustments. 
Well, I am definitely going to be reading your book, Who Are You? Essential Questions for Hitchhikers on the Road of Truth. Uh, just to delve deeper into my inner nature, I'm really interested in that. And on that topic, uh, going with these cycles, I want to ask you, as far as like in a lifespan cycle in a relationship, obviously, like th whenever you, let's say, 20s, you get together and then you go through a lifespan and you're going to go through cycles. And one, I feel like I'm entering and Sarah a little bit too is, I don't know, call it like a quarter life crisis. I'm 33, but just this feeling of like, okay, Sarah and I have been together for 10 years, that side, like in a relationship, but then personally and professionally, just kind of at a crossroads. I don't want to call it a crisis, but how, what are some questions I can ask myself and how can we move forward together in a marriage through this kind of cycle of our life? Another, another great question. It's, it, the metaphor is often made about the lifespan having its own seasons with, you know, the early part of our life being the spring, the main part of our life being the summer middle age being the fall and the end of life being the winter. Um, in fact, there are some therapy groups that are often called uh, the seasons of our lives where people talk about adjustments that they need to make throughout the lifespan. And each season of our life has different challenges. If you, I, I, I believe uh, I, I had seen on, on the website, uh, you, you have a daughter? Yes. You're, you're both your parents? Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's four. She's four. Okay. So, yeah, I, I have uh, two kids who are uh, uh, teenagers, or, or one is a preteen, one's a teenager. So I uh, remember vividly being in that phase with uh, my kids being young and, and what the challenges were. And certainly there were challenges. Um, when when the kids were infants and and now different challenges with them being yeah. teenagers and uh so of course we never we never stop changing throughout the lifespan but the rate at which we change throughout our lifespan is a little bit different from period to period from a neurological perspective as well as a psychological perspective in the spring of our lives, in the early part of our lives, from birth to our mid-20s, that's when we're experiencing the most rapid change. And then change starts to slow down after that. There are so many moving parts here. As you're adjusting to this next phase of your lives, you're in the summer of your lives now, and what does that mean? Just as you bring this child into the world who's in the spring of her lives, and you're re-experiencing your own childhood vicariously through your child that you have, and that has its own sort of psychological consequences, positive and negative. And then... Trying to adjust to also, you know, another another challenge of, of someone in the phase of life that you're in, as, as well as it's the same phase of life that I'm in now is, you know, they, they call it being sandwiched or in the sandwich generation where you might be taking care of your children, but you're also taking care of your parents who are aging and doing things uh, in that in that nature uh, in that way. And so you could feel like you're really being crunched. And then sometimes it can feel like every other person in your life is a priority besides your spouse. And then that could lead to relationship issues. And, and certainly my wife and I have been there where uh, for periods of weeks at a time, we've felt like we're two ships passing in the night. One is taking one of our kids to hockey practice. The other is taking the other kid to softball or something like that. And, you know, we haven't been out on a date night in months um, all of these other relationship issues start coming to the fore. You feel invalidated. You feel forgotten. And so, again, I think if what's happening to you has been happening for less than a season, then, you know, it might be prudent to just 
try to wait out the season without overreacting. Um, the, the the line from the Tao Te Ching that I had mentioned in the article is, stir muddy water and it will stay cloudy. Leave it alone and it will become clear. So sometimes you do want to just watch it to see if the muddy water will become clear or if the dust settles. But if what is happening to you at this phase of life or a different phase of life has been happening for more than a season, then again, I, I sometimes all that's needed is a, is a small change. Waking up an hour earlier together to have your morning coffee together and maybe, in, maybe interacting in a different way or staying up an hour later together to watch TV together or putting an unimpeachable date night into your schedule so that you can get back on the same page and make each other a priority. Uh, prioritizing getting babysitting when you need it so that you can give each other this time. Um, but if, if those smaller adjustments don't do the trick, then again, sometimes, um, sometimes a weekend workshop or ongoing therapy uh, could really help, especially if you utilize the uh, Imago dialogues. Once again, I, I love that quote and it brings me back to patience or waiting, you know, let the, let the muddy water sit a little bit. Uh, I don't know if any of our listeners out there can relate, but that's a real challenge for me to just sit with things. And that doesn't mean a day or a week sometimes, <laughs> like you're saying, a season or, or a year, um, because we are dynamic beings. And, and sometimes maybe we're not going to pinpoint exactly what's making us feel that way. But if we just wait, process things and, and it'll kind of pass. And that's a uh, that's great theme that I'm going to take away from this conversation. And before we wrap up, are there any things that we maybe skipped over or that you want to leave with our listeners before we say goodbye? Um, sure. I guess the only other thing that I would say is a lot of times we are in a position to help the people in our lives. Uh, sometimes it's a spouse, sometimes it's a child, sometimes it's a friend or another family member. And just to kind of touch on what you might be getting at, whether it's related to you personally or, or related to anybody else in your life, a lot of times I have to counsel family members who want to help their loved one who might be a patient of mine. And I have to train them to essentially be a lay therapist to their, to their partner, to their child, to their loved one. And I think a lot of times when we are working with someone in our personal lives and we are serving as a lay therapist for them, a lot of times we try too hard and we do too much. And in the process of doing too much, uh, we end up saying or doing the exact wrong thing. A good friend of mine who was in um, Al-Anon for a number of years always reminds me of this idiom from Al-Anon. Um, Al-Anon, as you probably know, is the support group for family members of people who are uh, alcoholic or uh, in AA, uh, struggling with alcoholism. And so the, the phrase in Al-Anon is, don't just do something, sit there. And usually in day-to-day -day life, people tell us to do the exact opposite. You know, don't just sit there, do something. Uh, but in this case, from, from Al-Anon, the advice is don't just do something, sit there. Because so, as I said before, sometimes when we try to help our, our friends or our family members, we do too much. And we don't realize just how powerful our simple presence, physical presence sitting with them can be and how meaningful it is to them. Essentially, what we're telling them in just sitting with them is that they are important enough to us for us to give them our valuable and limited free time. 
And if we can hold ourselves back from trying to do too much and just responding to what they say they need from us, then sometimes less is more. Well, John, that was a great uh, place to end this interview. I think all this advice has really given me a lot of information on on ways that I can communicate and really help chase going forward, especially with understanding a little bit more of the personality and, and the way that he processes things. So I really appreciate that information. And we would love if you could tell our listeners where they can find a little bit more about you online. Oh, sure. So I have a blog with Psychology Today. The blog is called The Cube. Um, real quick, the reason why it's called The Cube is because the way that I process things and the way I try to help my patients process things, a cube is a three-dimensional object. And so often in life, especially our life, which exists disproportionately on screens, which are two-dimensional, we don't see things in context and in their proper perspective. So. In my blog, the, the Cube on Psychology Today, I try to present multiple sides of whatever issue it is that I'm addressing um, from a three-dimensional perspective. And so I, I try to post articles once a month there. And I also, as we, uh, as we discussed earlier, I have a couple of books, but I guess the book that might be the most suitable for your listeners or most interest to your listeners is the book, Who Are You? Essential Questions for Hitchhikers on the Road of Truth, which is available uh, on Amazon. Perfect. Well, we'll have the links to your book and your website and your blog on our website at idpodcast.com. And again, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Sarah and Chase, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. As always, all the links are in the podcast description and on our website. So if you are dying to check out our new podcast series, Love Under Quarantine, you can click those links in the episode description and get access immediately. The podcast series is now available and we hope you guys check it out. And as well, there are always free resources on our website at idpodcast.com, freebies, all different types of topics. So check out our website and we hope you guys enjoyed the show. listening to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com